You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. So we're coming to the end of our journey through James. And as we are getting to the end, it's wrapping up in chapter five, and I saw this coming the whole time because we mapped all this out, had the calendar, looked at it, saw how it's all gonna break down, and realized we're gonna come down to the last gathering and the last message, and we're gonna have all of chapter five to talk about. And there's so many messages in this chapter, but I wanna focus on a paragraph and lead us to a verse that really has captivated my thinking. There are two phrases in all of James that have really gotten my attention over the last two months. And both of those we're gonna look at today, but one of them, I never really saw it the way I've seen it this time before. And I wanna sort of lift that up as the starting point today. And then we're gonna unpack that just for a few minutes together. The the section I wanna read for us or with us is found in verse seven and following. It says, be patient then brothers, Until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. As we journeyed along, started months ago preparing for this, reading the text, digging into the text, doing our soaps day after day, listening to the messages week after week, thinking about the word and letting the word get inside of our hearts, this phrase absolutely captured my heart. The judge is at the door capital J-U-D-G-E, he is at the door. Now, I don't know how your Thanksgiving went. We joked about it earlier, but anybody have anybody show up at your house that you were fired up that they got there? You've been waiting the whole week for them to arrive. They, they were coming. They were texting. We just got off the interstate. We're coming down your way, and you're looking out. You're, you're already eyes out the window. You were standing on the front stairs steps when they showed up. You were there. Maybe you even went out to the car before they opened the door. Anybody have anybody show up like that at your Thanksgiving? Amazing. Six people had somebody they were excited about. Anybody have anyone come to your Thanksgiving that you were dreading it on September 10th when the news was broken to you, they're coming this year? Anybody? And then finally it happened and you, you were hoping against all hope that there would be car trouble or a weather delay. You're like, how can there be a snowstorm everywhere in America except where they're coming from? And finally the news broke, they're here. The doorbell rang and it was them. It's, it's interesting how you can have such a wide range of emotion, depending on who's at the door. Where Shelly and I used to live, we lived in a cul-de-sac in this neighborhood up on a hill. 
and we had big windows that looked right into our house off of our front porch and a door that you could see right through into the house. And most Saturday mornings, these lovely ladies would come to visit us at our house around 9.30. They had a particular spiritual viewpoint on how heaven and hell work, and they would come to tell us about it every Saturday. And so we had some great conversations. Um, we talked about Jesus. We talked about the Bible. I shared with them uh, all of what we felt uh, that the Bible was teaching us about life and about truth and about Jesus and about how we're supposed to live our lives. And they shared a lot about their, their feelings about all that. I thought we sort of came to a resolution that we were going to agree to disagree on some things. And they were very lovely people, by the way. And so finally, one day I said, all right, well, thank you so much for coming. I think that pretty much settles it. And uh, I think we're good. And so they, they went on to the house next door and talked to them for a little while. And I thought we were good until the next Saturday, they came again. And the next Saturday after that, and the one after that, and the one after that. They came every single Saturday. Now we travel a lot on the weekends, and so we're gone some Saturdays, and then you kind of forget, and you lose the rhythm, and then all of a sudden it's about 9.45, and you haven't taken a shower yet, and maybe you hadn't gotten dressed yet, and you're just having a cinnamon roll in the house, and lo and behold, you can see them through the door, they're standing on the porch. Nobody else but me. <laughs> and I mean, in a heartbeat, your pastor is like down behind the sofa. <laughs> yelling in the other room, babe, don't come out. They're at the door. <laughs> Hold the dog. <laughs> or worse, you get caught in that in-between space between the dining room window and the front door. Have you ever been there before, like real still? <laughs> now this is pre-ring and other technology that would let us know they're coming. It's just, oh goodness, they're coming up the steps. Quick. <laughs> and they were very patient. I think part of their heavenly reward depended on me coming to the door. They just wait, long time. <laughs> don't come out yet. I think they're still at the door, but I don't know because I can't look. <laughs> Let's just give it a half hour. And then, oh, I could see him walking down the street out the window. I was like, we're good. It, it depends on who's at the door. Whether you're like some of us were when we were kids and when a certain part of our family were coming for Thanksgiving, you weren't only on the porch, you were at the end of the driveway or you got on your bicycle, do you remember this? And rode to the end of the neighborhood or maybe up to the entrance to the neighborhood and you were gonna see the car when they came around the corner. Or is, oh my goodness, turn out the lights quick, get behind the furniture, don't anybody move or make a sound because they're at the door. And here we're coming to the end of James. 
and the announcement comes to you and me in the church, the judge is at the door. Finger on the doorbell, ready to enter. He's at the door. And I don't know for you or me today, is that like amazing news? Like, yeah. Or is that like, uh uh-oh. Get behind the sofa quick. Kids, go to your rooms. Turn out all the lights. We were not ready for this today. James says, do you understand? The judge, the king, is at the door. Church, do you realize today the king is at the door? Mr. Businessman, do you realize today the king is at the door? Young person, do you realize today the judge is at the door. And if he's there, then things change. And a few of those things are packed in to this text. We can't unpack all of them, but it would be worth mentioning a few of them that make a practical difference in the way that we live right now. For example, in verse 19, it says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So we know that if we understand that the judge is at the door, number one, we are going to be proactive and preemptive when we see our brother or our sister wandering away from the truth. No, we're not going to call a holy huddle We're not going to text somebody and say, we should pray for so-and-so. We're not going to slander them to one of their friends or one of our friends. We, in the power of the Holy Spirit, are going to go to them courageously and humbly, face-to-face, person-to-person, privately, not on Twitter, not on Instagram, not out in public somewhere, but as a brother or a sister in the faith, we are going to go to them and say, man, I don't know. I am not the judge, but I think he's at the door and he's really putting on my heart that you are on thin ice and I am not here to, to cast any cloud over your life or to say, I am better than you. I am just here as a voice of one crying out from the house of faith, come home. Is there anything I can do to help you come back to the truth? How many times have we all heard the story of someone that we knew who went over the cliff and we didn't say, unbelievable. We said, I wish I had done something. I wish I had said something, but I was so self-preserving, self-protecting. I didn't want to look like I was better than anybody else, or I was just unwilling to take the risk and to get into no man's land. Man, I wish I'd stepped in. I wish I'd done something. I wish I had said something. And James says, look, if you step in and you grab onto a sister and you hold on to her and you bring her back, you are not only saving her from death, but you are in effect saving a whole firestorm of devastation that's going every direction from her life. And this is what we do when we know the judge is standing at the door. We don't wait around. 
We don't wait it out. We don't wait till another season. We don't wait to see how it plays out. We don't just simply pray and then do nothing because true faith works out. That's my summary from James. I need things in short order. I need the elevator speech for myself. And if someone said, you preach through James, what's that about? You guys did a study in James, what's that about? I don't have time to go, well, it's kind of about da-da-da, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Let me break down the structure and the diagram of the book. I needed something I could just immediately understand for my life. And so I've been boiling it down and I had it to this, then I got it to that, then I got it to this, then I got it to that. And then finally, I got James down to me to true faith works out. It works out in the end and it works out into every area of life. It is not private. It is very much public. And when there is true faith going on in your life, you cannot keep it in. It works out. And one of the ways it works out, I believe, and one of the things James is trying to say makes the church healthy is stop talking about people and start talking to people. I think the second thing, when the judge is at the door, we understand we want to be principled people. I love this verse in the middle of the text. He says down in verse 12, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. In other words, if you're dealing with a non-Jesus follower, you're going to need a contract, a lawyer, some guidelines, some fine print, and you're going to need to close all the loopholes. But if you're dealing with a Jesus follower, all you're going to need is their yes or their no. Now, the county might need a document. The city might need a contract. Uh, the company might need a, to paper it. But if you're dealing with one of Jesus people... All you need is for them to look you in the eye and say, I give you my word. And when they give you their word, they're going to keep that word because they know the judge is at the door and they do not want that door to be open and find an unprincipled person who is flopping around like the culture, changing their mind about everything they've decided based on how they feel that day or what the circumstance or situation has turned into. But there is still something called, I give you my word. And my word, as they used to say in another generation, is my bond. What would happen if that was the reputation of the Jesus people? but I give you my word and I'm going to keep my word as far as I am able. I don't need to swear on a Bible or on a contract or by any other thing because I am a son of the most high God, a daughter of the King of Kings. And I give you my word. How would your life be different today if you had just kept your word. I think a third way that judge being at the door changes lives is it gives us the ability to live powerful lives. Not just a few people and the pantheon of the Instagram spiritual stars, but that every believer can have a mindset that says, on the other side of that door stands the king of kings. 
Therefore, on this side of the door, I will think powerful, I will pray powerful, and I will believe for the power of God in my life. I am not going to stand on this side of the door and pray these little teeny tiny prayers about nothing, basically, or live a life that is knocked down in doubt and unbelief. I am going to rise up in faith because the judge is at the door right now. And therefore, I'm going to believe everything is possible because in a heartbeat, that door swinging open. And then I'm going to see him as he is. So James talks about praying for the sick. He talks about believing in faith. He talks about bold prayers. And then he has the audacity to say, let me give you an illustration. Elijah, he was a man just like us. When he said this, people were like, what? What? We're like, Elijah was a man like us. Okay, I'm not even sure which one he was. I know he's in the Old Testament. I know he was one of the prophets. I know he did some amazing things, but I'm not really sure which one he was. When he said this to his audience, they went, that's like you telling me I am LeBron and Michael Jordan and Kobe and name all the new stars all rolled into one. They were like Elijah called down fire on Mount Carmel. He outran a chariot all the way to Jezreel. He believed for a drought breaking rain. And when he got nothing, he didn't give up and go, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Oh, well, he said to his servant, go look again, go look again then. Go look again. Okay, then go look again. All right, fine. Well, I still believe God's gonna do this, so go look one more time. All right, well, guess what? You're going back the seventh time, go look again. Comes back and says, there's a little tiny cloud out there. He goes, oh yeah, yep, tiny cloud. (laughs) Tiny cloud, big God, oh yeah. He said, that guy? He's no different than you. He's born just like you, lived just like you, had the same access to God as you, had the same possibilities of either being timid or being bold, just like you. He could either have been faithful or been doubtful, just like you. He could either believe that the judge is at the door or he could just back up into the house and act like nothing was going on, just like you. And if the judge is on the other side of the door right now, how would it change the way we pray, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we believe in our lives? And then lastly, and the one I want to just dig into for a second, if, if, if the judge is at the door, then James is saying, be patient. Well, what he means is persevere. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Don't stop pressing in. Don't give up now because the judge is at the door. And there's two applications of this that look completely opposite, but I think when you put them together, they really become powerful. He's he's saying the judge is at the door. Therefore, if you're you're paying a price for your faith, don't don't give up on that because the judge is at the door. 
He's also saying, if you're taking cheap shots at other people in the church, you need to check your heart because the judge is at the door. Do you realize that the theme of James is twofold, basically? Take care of the poor, don't look down your nose on people, and don't think you're better than anybody else. Remember that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So don't you go treating people different because of their socioeconomic situation. I want you to care for the widow, and I want you to care for the orphan. And the second big message of James is, don't let the enemy use you to chop down people and tear apart the church. Apparently, that was a big, big possibility in 60 AD. He says in chapter 4, first verse, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He says a little bit later in verse 11 of that chapter, brothers, do not slander one another. And then he says again in the paragraph we're reading in verse 8, don't grumble against each other. Why? Because the judge is at the door. Now, that doesn't mean we throw truth out. No, they're very, they're very much to the opposite. We go and rescue people who've wandered from the truth, but we don't do it with an air of judging them or condemning them or saying that we think we're better than them. We don't need to do that because the judge is at the door and he's going to do that just fine. Amen. It's like Kanye. Kanye says, that the question he got immediately upon proclaiming that he'd been delivered by Jesus was what do the Christians say? Why would that be the first question that the world would ask? Because the most likely people to doubt that God could change somebody are the people who say that they have been changed by God. Now, I don't know Kanye West, so I, I don't know anything really, except I've watched everything you can watch and listened to everything you can listen to. So I don't know Kanye, and so I'm not an authority or an expert on anything. I just know that when he says, well, we'll just back up one step. He, he, he was in a psych ward, and he had a vision to start a church. He said, I started it. He said, but it was six months in, I think he said, before I got delivered. He said, because you know, you don't always get delivered the first day you go to church. Sometimes it takes time. Like some of y'all aren't delivered yet and you've been showing up a lot. And then he said, it's a lonely place when Jesus saves you because the Christians don't believe it's real. And all your old friends think you're crazy. And so I decided for me personally, you can make up your own mind that the judge is at the door and very soon the door's gonna swing open and I'm not gonna go, Judge Kanye. <laughs> is it real? Is it true? Did he get it all in six months? Has he matured to full Christian maturity in six months? I doubt it. Looking around in the average church, it takes a little longer than that for most people to get to where God wants them to be. 
But man, oh man, do we get up on our high horse. And do we immediately want to say, I know the judge is at the door, but he ain't in here right now. And until he gets in here, I'm the judge and I'll decide people's motives and I'll decide what their intent was and I'll decide whether it's real and I'll decide whether God can use them and I'll decide whether it's good or not. And then I will let everybody know immediately because I got a microphone called social media and I'll just call a press conference to whoever's listening to me and I'll let the world know what I've decided about everything there is to decide. Instead of going, wow, in humility, I think I might just let the judge decide because in a heartbeat, that door's going to swing open and trust me, all I'm going to care about in that moment is what the king thinks about my life and about the way I followed him and I was faithful to him and I trusted him and believed in him and loved him and served him and I'm not going to be looking around at anybody else and neither are you. He says, be patient. And hang in there because the judge is at the door. Now, that does not mean when you read all of James that we just sort of throw everything up in confetti world and say, oh, we don't know. We'll just let God work it out when he gets here. Because there is clear and obvious truth that God has given us. It just means that we focus more on letting that truth do its work in us. And we don't divert from what it's not doing in us by focusing on what it's not doing in somebody else. Can the church say amen to that today? Can somebody say amen to that today? I know it's not that comfortable, but come on. This is how the gospel is going to go forward. And then there are two kind of tensions here. I'll touch on them really fast and we'll wrap up. The first tension is that James says, and this kind of, this, this kind of, maybe if you saw this, you're like, hello, time out. Somebody needs to explain this to me. He says in verse eight, you two be patient and stand firm. Do you see this? Read it with me. Because the Lord's coming, what? Is near. Amen? Jesus is coming. The judge is at the door. Now, now, now if you're a Jesus is coming person, this is your verse. You got to elbow somebody right now. I told you he's coming. 2020, I've felt it all along. Now, I also felt it during the blood moons, but that didn't work out exactly the way I thought it was going to. I had it all down at Y2K, and we were all packed up, had our rapture gear on. We were all set up to go then. But 2020, come on, it's a perfect year. We all see clearly. And we will see him as he is. Well, there's an uproar in every major city on every continent. There's fires and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, and it's gone from bad to worse already. What if you had walked in to one of the churches when James was being read? 60 AD, 30 years after the resurrection. You cannot imagine how bad it was to be a follower of Jesus in those days. I can't really get into the backstory of that, but you just go read the history. You basically had a death sentence on your life if you were a Jesus follower in 60 AD. 
And when the Spirit said to the church, stand firm, be patient. The Lord's coming is near. They were like, did you hear that, kids? <laughs> just a few more hours, maybe today, just a few more days. The judge is at the door. Did you hear it? Hang in there, man. Hang in there. Oh, this, oh thank you so much. The emperor's going down. Rome's going down. All the persecution's going down. And Jesus is coming. And somebody walked in and said, oh, and by the way, in 2019, they're going to be reading this very letter in the church of Jesus Christ around the world and being encouraged by the fact that the judge is at the door. People would have been like, and then they would have been very, very sad. You mean we're going to live our entire lives like this? Yeah. What do you mean there's going to be a world in 2019? What kind of crazy person are you? The same kind of crazy person who would come to church today and say, let's not rule out the possibility of Passion City Church 4020. You're like, excuse me, Louis, um, <clears throat> have you not heard of climate change? <laughs> Did you not know people are in the streets in Hong Kong? Surely you know that Jesus is coming now. It is not without possibility, if he said the Lord is near and almost 2,000 years have gone by, that near could be a relative term. You're like, I don't like relative terms. I like to plan things and I like things on my calendar. Yeah, but what we learned last week is you gotta hold your plans in open hands. Because God is sovereign and God doesn't wear a watch. Not even an iWatch. Not even an Apple Watch. God has always been and always will be. And when you try to grab him and pull him down in and go, hey, it's 330. We needed something by like three. He's like, I got you. <laughs> no, 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 you don't understand. He's like, no, I do understand because before there was time, there was me. And after there's time, there's me. And when there ain't any more 3.30, there's me. There's just always been me. And I've lived outside of time and done fine all of my life. And so here's the deal. You're inside of time because you're a human being and you're finite, unlike me, who is God and who is infinite. And you have a finite brain and a, a clock ticking inside your life. I know that, but I'm trying to help you understand that you were born again into a new kingdom and have a new possibility. And the new possibility is you've got like one of those big old things that you turn upside down and the sand comes down through it. It's called eternity and that is woven into your heart. And so I want you to think not just like it is 3.30 and I need to know it's 3.30, but I need you to understand it's also eternity and the judge is at the door and I think different and see different and believe different than you see, think and believe. And so Peter said it this way in 2 Peter. He said, don't you understand that with, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. 
So don't think the Lord's like forgotten anything or is slow. He's doing just good. And so he's basically saying to the church, I'm at the door. I've been out here almost two days. Been almost two days since I brought Jesus up to the throne. Because with me, a day's like a thousand years, thousand years like a day. I'm just, I'm looking at the whole thing from beginning to end going, I got all this. So it might be five days, might be four days, might be three days, maybe. Oh no, there's an idea. He was raised on the third day. Well, I bet it's gonna three, three days. I bet there's one more thousand year period and then the Lord's gonna come because it's gonna be just like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's gonna be Easter. I, I believe he's coming, three, 3,020. That's when he's coming. No, no one knows when he's coming. But what he's saying today is, can you live in the tension of being ready today because the Lord's at the door. Some of you are not ready to have the King of Kings on the other side of your door. And for you, the door today may only be an inch thick if you think about it in the figurative way that we're imagining it right now. But that inch, Peter says, is the mercy of God, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting all to come to salvation. And today, the door is your opportunity to know as the scripture is said in James many, many times, and even again in this chapter, the one standing at the door is full of mercy and full of compassion. Oh, his eyes are blazing like the sun. So don't think about opening that door without putting your faith in the salvation promise of God through Jesus. But if you have put all your trust in the salvation promise of God in Jesus, you can open that door no matter who you are or where you're from or what your life, you can open that door and say, I stand here covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I stand here awakened and born again as a son or daughter of the most high God, not of my own doing, but of the grace and the mercy of the judge who is standing at the door. And I will give an account for my life, but I will do it as a loved son or a loved daughter of a king. Be ready, he said. The judge is at the door. But in the same breath, have the long view and think about what legacy are you gonna leave? It may be too crazy to think about Passion City Church 4020. Now, Jeff Bezos is thinking about that. He's building a 10,000 year clock in a mountain in Texas. Elon Musk is thinking about that because he's thinking about building another possible habitat to preserve humanity on Mars. But most Christians got their finger on the eject button going, if things get too tough, we just hoping to hit that rapture button and get out of here quick. But the followers of Jesus don't think like that. 
They say, I am ready. If he comes today, I'm ready. If he comes today and opens the door today, I'll be ready. I'm living ready. I'm watching. I'm at the end of the driveway. I've ridden down to the end of the neighborhood. I'm looking to see if maybe he's coming around the corner. I am ready to see my king. I am ready to see my Jesus. I am ready to be in his presence. But my deep-hearted conviction is, I hope it's not today. Oh, but things are tough. That's okay. God's going to bring me through. I hope it's not today. You know why? Because my light bulb that I'm praying for does not know Jesus. I hope it's not today. Paul said in Philippians, when he was in prison for the faith, he said, man, I'm conflicted. I don't know. What, what, what should I do? I, I, do I want to leave and be with Jesus? Or do I want to stay and keep talking about Jesus to all of you? Man, that's a tough one, right? He said, if I leave, whoo, that's good for me. Oh man, but if I stay, that's good for you. Because me staying means just talking about Jesus more. And me talking about Jesus more just means people getting saved more. And people getting saved more means the church is going to grow more. And the more I can encourage the church, the church is going to grow deeper. And then I'm going to take all this joy in seeing what God is doing in you. So, man, what should I do? Let's see. If I leave, can you imagine the guards listening to this conversation as he's writing this by the Spirit of God? Hey, guys, check this section out. I could be out of here tomorrow. God could bring me home. I could be in the presence of the King of Kings. The judge is at the door. You may have me in chains, but his finger is on the doorbell and I could be out of here in a heartbeat. Whoo, I win. (laughs) You'll just see chains laying on the floor. (laughs) I win. He said, or he might leave me here tomorrow. And if he leaves me here tomorrow, guess what, everybody? You're going to get to hear me talk about Jesus again tomorrow. And I win. 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 If I go, I win. If I stay, I win. Because either way, it's Jesus. And when you got Jesus, you win. I win. Either way, I win. And the church wins if I stay. And so he concludes I'd like to stay. I'd like to stay in a jail more than go to heaven. Because this jail is actually amplifying the gospel of Jesus to the world. So I'm thinking about the future. I'm ready today, but I'm thinking about the future. I've been thinking a lot, my clothes, about Passion City Church 2075. Because when you start talking about 4,019, people go, ah, I'm out. 3,019, I'm out. Let's just go 2075 because there'll need to be a church here. If I outlive all the 
men in my family, which I pray I will by the grace of God, if I live to be 85, which would far surpass all the men in my immediate lineage, my funeral will be at Passion City Church in 2044. If you are 30 years old and you just live to be 90, which you'll live to be more than 90 because you'll have bionic parts and other things, your funeral will be at Passion City Church in 2080. If you're 45 years old and you live to be 90, your funeral will be at Passion City Church in 2065. So there's gonna need to be a church in the city which is gospel-centered, Jesus-focused, faith-filled, spirit-led, scripture-saturated, bold and courageous and roaring in 2075, a light in the city and in the cities. Not just a church for you, and not just a church for your children, but a church for your children's children and their children. And that is what God is building right in this moment today. And he's telling you, I'm at the door, but it might be one more day, could be a half day. Could just be an hour. That's a long time also on earth time, but I'm at the door, so be ready. but have the long view because it's been 2,000 years almost since I told James to write to the church that the Lord is near. So invest and build up the church. Do not use this or allow the enemy a foothold to tear down the church and welcome everybody in, rich and poor alike and especially to the widow make sure she has a home and make sure the orphan knows you'll be taken care of in the house of our God thanks be to God for the power of his word if you were encouraged by today's talk be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes Spotify and wherever you stream your podcasts to experience other talks videos and live gatherings visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.